sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20 The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. God we serve shall we pray Father unto you shall the gathering of the people be and unto no man we have gathered in your presence to hear your voice and to hear the infallible word of God I pray that your expectation, O oh God, shall be met. That you will do what you want to do in the lives of your people today. I pray that you will grant me the grace to speak as of the oracles of God. And Lord, let it not be my will, but let it be your will. Let it not even be the will of the people, but let it be what you want your people to hear this morning. Thank you for grace. I receive unction, Lord, to deliver your word in power, to bring life, and to be spirit also, in Jesus' name. Everything that opposes the word of God, every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, every imagination, every thought, everything that is in opposition to the effectiveness of your word, we pull down every stronghold like that this morning. And Lord, I say, let your word fall on good soil and let it, let it yield the much-needed harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, we thank the Lord. What peace. <laughs> we thank the Lord for his faithfulness throughout this daughter convention. First of all, we don't take for granted his journey mercies in bringing us safely. And we don't take for granted his mercies in being with us from Friday through Saturday, even up till today. And... I trust that, like the scripture says, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. We pray that God will show himself strong this morning. I salute you, Pastor Sam, and um, all the pastors, and lady pastors, and shepherds, and pastors' wives, and most importantly, you, for being here. God bless you. 
I also salute your Pastor Chris and his wife. I commend them and all the pastors and their wives and all the workers in the vineyard of the Lord for the great work you are doing in this part of the world. No matter how anointed the bishop is, he needs anointed people and faithful people like you to carry out the vision in New Zealand and in everywhere. Thank you for standing for Jesus and for being a part of the vision of Lighthouse Chapel International. On behalf of God and of the bishop, may the Lord reward you openly. Amen. And thank you also for your care and your hospitality all these days. I pray that only Jehovah who can reward you, reward you adequately. And also to all of you who have taken the time to bring this program together. You know, sometimes the most important part of a building is hidden, and that's the foundation. Some of you have been standing in prayer, but you are not on stage, but God sees you. Some of you have been cooking. Don't take it for granted. God sees you. And in his own good time, he will make all things beautiful. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I don't hope to be very long, because I know that there's a lineup of programs, okay, of things to do. And before I even proceed, I want to encourage you. The whole week, you have been in the world, working and slaving according to the curse of Adam, that in the sweat of our face shall we eat bread. Amen. But I pray that as you have come to the house of God on this day of rest, you will also rest in the Lord and not be in a hurry to go and follow your many programs. Okay? This is the, the, the only day that God asks you to hallow his name, to be in church. And maybe a weekday service in the evening. But I pray that you will be patient with God so that God can minister to you fully. Amen. Now this morning, I want to talk to you about something I believe God wants me to talk about. You know, sometimes as a preacher, you want to preach something else, but in your spirit, you know that this is what God is saying, and I have learned to obey him. Amen. Now, the, the, the topic I want to preach about is are you a fleshly Christian? Are you a fleshly Christian? Amen. Mm. Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Are you there? Hello? Okay. Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't know where the book of Hebrews is, but you know where to find the hairdresser who does the latest style, then you've missed your way. Amen. <laughs> because when the devil comes knocking at your door, it is not a, 
The hairdresser that you know, that will save you. It's the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's read from 15 so that it makes sense. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I believe we talked about that yesterday. Then verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one muscle of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us to look diligently for certain things. And this morning, it tells us to look diligently in case there's a fornicator or profane person amongst us like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. One morsel of meat, not even a bowl, sold his birthright. And the Bible says that for ye know that how afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Sometimes we sell our birthrights. We sell something that is important. Or we carelessly lose something that is of value. And then we go and sit somewhere and we seek it back with tears. But tears don't always bring back what you have lost. Amen? Amen. Please come with me to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis is the first book. That one, you can't miss it. I hope. I hope that that one you know. Amen. Eh? Genesis chapter 25. Are you there? If you are there, say, I am there. <laughs> Verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. Don't wait too long to marry. When you are 40, you are too old, okay? At a certain age, when we see you at the nursery coming to drop your child, they'll be saying, Grandpa, I'm going to get her ready for you. So marry at the right time. <laughs> the daughter of Bethel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him and, his and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Sometimes when a woman is having infertility problems or not having children, the men think it's only the woman's business. But Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, okay? And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, 
and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and one shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. I want to say to every woman, sometimes you think that what you are doing is physical. Oh, I'm just having two children. Oh, I'm just bringing forth a ministry. But it can be two nations. And something may be in your spiritual womb that you think, oh, I'm just aborting this. But you are aborting two nations. And those two nations signify the destiny and the hope of God. And if they had been aborted, even Jesus Christ would not have come. Okay, so some things look little, but they are mighty usually in the realm of the spirit. Sometimes if you are maybe a pastor's wife and you, you, you don't recognize the church of God as a body of Christ and you treat it anyhow, it may be a nation. It may be something powerful that God, God has. And, and you just trifle with it. Oh, it's just this people and it's just this girl. And it's just, it's, it's not like that. You are tampering with something spiritual and it, it can bring a problem. Two nations are in the womb. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them, sixty. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sought pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. Hmm. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am the, at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his Beth right. Amen. Amen. Now, this is a very popular story. And some time ago when I used to read it, I used to think that, oh, when Rebecca was pregnant and she went, when she was having struggles in her womb, and she went and inquired of God, what, what does this struggle mean? And God said, two nations are in thy womb. The younger will be served by the elder. And I can see that the younger has taken hold of the heel of the older. And I thought, oh, wow. Their destinies were already determined. But as I studied this passage again, I believe that God gave me a revelation. That what happened was, you see, sometimes God may say that the elder will serve the younger. But it doesn't mean that he orchestrated it for it to happen that way. Sometimes somebody may be going downhill, driving at breakneck speed, under the influence of alcohol. And you will say that, wow, this person is just going to die. 
It's not that you took over the wheels and ensured that he died. But from the way he was behaving and conducting himself, you knew that this is where it was going to end. Amen? Amen. And sometimes, as a pastor, you may counsel people. You say, don't marry a man who does not fear the Lord. Don't marry a woman who just comes to church and does not know God personally. And you say, oh, the pastor is against me. It's because the, the, the woman I'm going to marry is more beautiful than his wife. It's because the pastor doesn't want me to progress in this life. I mean, we read all sorts of reasons into why things are being done. And they say, if, you see, marriage itself is tough. But if you marry somebody who is not God-fearing, you have compounded your problems. And so when the pastor is telling you, look, if you marry and go on this road, your tears will be more. So it's not because whatever, whatever. And then when you marry, say, the pastor cried. He cursed me for me. He didn't curse you. And he didn't orchestrate it for you to be filled with tears all the days of your life till Jesus comes. But you took a decision that affected you. And I believe that it is the same with Esau. Esau was a firstborn. We don't have time to read all of it, but there was the blessing of the firstborn. And God said, even in the Old Testament, that even if the firstborn misbehaved, or the firstborn was from a previous marriage that you don't like the woman anymore and all that, the status of the firstborn must never be changed. So Esau arrived on this planet. He was just the firstborn. And the Bible says that anything that first opened the womb is blessed and separated unto God. So he already had his place of inheritance. If anything at all, that is something that he didn't even work for. God just said, the firstborn is special. And now that I'm a mother, I understand why the firstborn. Because first pregnancy is different from all the other pregnancies. And even medically speaking, when you go, they say, are you a primate? Primate means, is that your first child? And usually when you are in a primate, that labor will be longer than all the others. The others come quicker because why? Somebody has opened the door for them already. So God in his wisdom says the firstborn is special. And then also being a mother, I realize that when you have a first child, you experiment with a child a lot because you don't know what motherhood is. The father doesn't also know what fatherhood is. And the poor little child is a guinea pig in the laboratory of life. <laughs> but when you have subsequent children, you have more experience. You know that when they do this, it means they may have wind. When they do it, it means this. You, 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 you have a lot of experience. And therefore, your handling of them is different. But the firstborn, you, you don't know what to do. When they do it, what does it mean? When they do this, what does it mean? Even education, you don't know. How do I choose a school? How do I help with the homework? So the firstborn, I believe, goes through more than most other children. And the firstborn also has a lot of burden on him or her to be straight, to be on the straight and narrow, to do this, to do that, you know? Even in our own family, we can see it, that the lastborns really have a field day. You see, by the grace of God, our first child is going to be 21 in November, next month. And the last one is 10 years old. 
and the type of energy and zeal we had to correct the first one is not the same <laughs> with the last one. You know, and then the grown-ups tell us, you see, look at what she's getting away with. You see, if it were us, it would not have been like that. And I don't even bother to explain. They think that is partiality. It's not partiality, but your strength has gone down. <laughs> don't have the same zeal. But that is the reason I believe why God says the firstborn is special. The firstborn has a double portion of the inheritance. The firstborn has the choicest according to Jewish tradition. And so it wasn't that they were just going by maybe faith. But it is Esau who did not value what he had. You and I also, majority of us claim to be born again. And we have come into an inheritance that we didn't work for. Bible says we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Our salvation has brought us into a certain relationship with the Father, which many of us take for granted or don't treasure. Now, when I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer, because I often pray according to that pattern, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means you start to praise God, you start to celebrate your relationship with him and all that before you come to hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Then you pray that God's kingdom will come. I usually pray according to that format. But as I was praying one day, I said, ah, when Jesus was teaching us to pray, why was it that the first thing he said was, our father which art in heaven? It means that our relationship with him is more important than even the mistakes that we will make. Because if it were me, I will bring first. Forgive me my sins as I forgive. But he said, when you come, say, our father, your relationship with me is more important than what you would do, the mistakes, whatever. It's not your sin. It's my relationship with you. That is a paramount thing. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Esau, if you like, his future was already determined. He was the firstborn. Not only that, the Bible said that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. But the Bible gives us a reason why Isaac loved Esau. He loved Esau because of his venison, because of food. <laughs> Ladies, food is very important to a man even when he says otherwise. Amen. 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 So Isaac loved Esau because venison is the, 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 the hunt, the food they get from hunting, the deer, venison. He loved him because of that. But the Bible says, Rebecca, she just loved Jacob. You know, women just love. Sometimes foolishly and without a reason. And Isaac also loves for reasons that, but at least they both had parental love. Amen. And the Bible says that Esau was a cunning man, but Jacob was a plain man. So if you look at the two, Esau was more endowed. He's somebody you call, yeah, that's a macho man. He goes out, he goes hunting, he brings something home, he achieves. But Jacob, plain man, the Bible said it. Plain man, always hiding in the skirts of his mother, plain, plain. Nothing to write home about, plain. The Bible says that one day, Esau went out and came back tired. 
and he saw that Jacob had some soup. Some soup, red lentils, some people say. And what happened is that he asked for some of the food. He says, I'm hungry. Give me food. And Jacob now said to him, Hmm, sell me your birthright. I mean, can you imagine you've just come from outside and you come and you go to the kitchen and your brother is there. You say, Is there any food? You know, Bible says that Esau came from the field and he was faint. And he said, Feed me, I pray you, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. And then Jacob says to him, Sell me this day my, your birthright. Sell me this day your birthright. What it means is that Jacob valued what Esau had. But Esau despised what he had. Jacob knew that what Esau had was the most important thing. And Esau felt that what he had was nothing. And you and I are like that. We don't value our salvation. We don't value our walk with God. We don't value God's word. We don't value God's opinion. And we exchange it for soup all the time. We don't value the fact that he says that your body is the temple of the living God. You don't even, what is temple? You have made it a kiosk completely. Anybody can come and buy and sometimes at no cost. The Bible says that when Esau came, he was faint and he was hungry. When you are full, certain temptations don't come to you. But when you are under pressure and your body is screaming and your body tells you, I need this, you easily exchange it for something that is not eternal. And for something that after it has passed through your mouth, after it has passed through your mouth, it just goes through the waste bin. And that's what we do. So don't tell me that, oh, lady reverend, as for me, I don't see myself doing this because you haven't been under pressure. Oh, lady reverend, as for me, I wonder why people behave. When you have gone to battle and you've come back, then we know that yes. But when you have never been under pressure, you don't know how you will behave. I told you yesterday, you never know what is in you till you are squeezed. If you have not been squeezed, we don't know what is in you. We see you as a sweet sister. We say you are so patient. The only reason why we see you as patient is because your patience has not been tried before. Amen. So it was when Esau was faint and hungry. When you are pushed to the wall, what will come out of you? When you are pushed to the wall, what will be your What will you choose? You know, God is not an armed robber. He's a gentleman, the Holy Spirit. He said, I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, choose. But he just encourages you, choose life. But I won't choose for you. Amen. Amen. So Jacob, it is not something that he just thought about. He has thought about it that Esau is so blessed. Esau is the firstborn. He has so much going for him. I 
I am, we are all twins, but we are not the same. And what he has is eternal. What he has is spiritual. And it is more valuable than anything. But Esau comes and then he says, give me food. And Jacob says, this is the time. Sell me your birthright. He didn't say give me. He said sell me. It's an exchange. And do you know what Esau said? He says, I am at the point of death. Who told you that? Just because you are hungry does not mean you are at the point of death. And many times we exaggerate our suffering. And Satan makes it look so, he magnifies our problems. And we see the problem as bigger than it really is. Even your mother and your father, they have not said they are at the point of death. You. You. You say you are at the point of death. He said, and of what use is this birthright to me? Of what use? That's what another version says. And many of us, we despise our birthright. We despise the things that have come to us by inheritance through Christ. You even despise your church. Of what use is this church to me? But if the church were not there, you may have been in mental hospital by now. Even your sanity, it has taken Christ and the church of God. It's of what use is lighthouse to me? When you came to this country and you knew nobody. When your life was broken and there was no hope. The church was a beacon of hope to you. But today, as you walk in your carnality, of what use? Of what use is the pastor to me? Of what use is the word of God to me? Of what use is the blessing? Of what use is the fellowship with the brethren? When you were sick, the brethren came and they stood with you in prayer. Today, when you see them, of what use? You are like Esau. You despise spiritual things. You look down on spiritual things. And you magnify porridge, soup, things that satisfy your carnal and fleshly nature. Of what use is this birthright to me? And Jacob doesn't answer. Because for him, it is very useful. <laughs> That's why he wants it. For you, you feel the porridge is more useful. But he knows. And as if it's not enough, Jacob says to him, swear to me this day. Swear to me that you will give me the birthright. Ah. First you said I should sell it to you. Now you want to secure it. You know? When a document, you want to um, 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 authenticate a document, you take it to commissioner of oaths, notary public, and you swear an oath that... The commissioner swears that before, sworn before me, this day of whatever, 2007, we even add the date, 2011, at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, that it was sworn before me. Because when you swear to something, it authenticates the document. So Jacob said, don't only sell it. Swear to me because I want to secure. Secure. Sometimes you are in the house of God and there's so much laid out for you. And you take it for granted. And somebody comes from somewhere. And somebody wants to secure what there is. And says, swear to me. What you are giving away, don't just give it away. I want an affidavit to be sworn on it so that it will be secure. Why did he go to all these lengths? He had a certain spiritual eye. And a certain spiritual appreciation that Esau did not have. 
Amen. I value the call of God on my life. I don't think that God is very blessed by to have me. Indeed. I am blessed. I am blessed that God would choose to use a vessel of clay. I am blessed. I'm privileged. Look. God's vineyard is very big. And he has given you a small vegetable patch to till. The small tilling that you are doing, every day you are complaining. Eh, why are we going for choir practice? Eh, why are they calling me? Eh, why are they? The church of God is the only church that does not look for skills when you are being employed. God is the only one who says, come as you are. The world says, what skill do you have? What experience do you have? What's your education? What's your reference? But God says, whatever you are, I can use you. I can use you. If you can use anything, you can use me. Hallelujah. And God has found something. Say, Come and sing. Every day they are calling me. Come and pray. Why are they worrying me? Come and follow up. I can't go. It's cold. It's this. It's that. Well, I have news for you. God says that if even you refuse to praise him, he will raise stones to replace you. To replace you. He will raise stones. The call of God is a privilege. It's a privilege. And it is very precious. You can't just treat it anyhow. Go to the stock exchange and see. Have you seen clay listed on the stock exchange? Precious stones. Have you seen it? When people are investing, they invest in gold. If gold doesn't work, silver, bronze, copper, but not clay. And yet the Bible says that you and I, we are vessels of clay. Earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. You, in your human wisdom, you don't invest in earthen vessels. You know why? They are dirty. They are not durable. As soon as water touches them, they will melt just now. As soon as they fall from your hand, they will break. But when gold falls, it doesn't break. And yet God, in his mercy, has invested in earthen vessels like you and I. How can you despise your birthright? How can you despise your inheritance? How can you despise what God has given to you? And esteem other things of this world higher. You are just like Esau. The porridge is of more value to you than your birthright. Jacob said, swear to me this day. Not only do you have to sell it to me, but I want it sealed. Swear to me this day. And the Bible sadly says, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. It was after this transaction that Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And the Bible says, he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. He said, give me, give me, give me. Give me the porridge. Even add bread to it. Give, it, give me, give me. He just took it, ate it. And the Bible said he went his way. He didn't even realize that a divine exchange had taken place. And many of us are spiritually not sharp. You only see that you are cheated when it's something to do with money, finance. But when there's a cheating in the realm of the spirit, you don't even notice it because spiritual things are of no value. No value. No, no value. No value to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, so you just go your way. But the Bible says in this way, thus, Esau 
despised, trampled upon, looked down upon his birthright. One thing Esau did not know is that when you give up your birthright, you also give up your blessing. The inheritance is linked to the blessing. And the type of blessing that should come to a firstborn is linked to your place as firstborn. So when you sell your place, you have also sold the inheritance and the blessings that must come to you. Genesis 28. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Help us, Jesus. We need it. We need it. Hmm. Let's read 27 before we get to 28. We know the story where Isaac called Esau and said, go and make me nice food, and after that, I will bless you. So ladies, that's a cue. Instead of meeting your husband at the gate with complaints when he comes from work, today this, did you pay the bills? Did you do this? Did you do that? No. Wait and let him relax. And set the food before him and bless him. After that, he himself will open his bowels and share our blessings to you. Amen. Amen. That is exactly what Isaac wanted to do. And then Rebecca came and told uh, uh, Jacob, you know, I've heard your father say that he's going to bless Esau. So come, I'll make arrangements with you. I'll give you a hairy garment. I'll make the stew. And then you will go in and give it to your father. And your father will bless you. And so the deception worked. And Isaac blessed Jacob. And then after that, Esau comes, okay? So let's look at Genesis 27, 32. Esau comes in after Jacob, and Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I'm thy son, thy firstborn Esau. Are you still a firstborn? <laughs> you have sold your birthright. You have secured it by affidavit, notary public, and everything else you can think about. You have secured it by commissioner of oaths. Now you have, you see, because you are so, because you despise your birthright so much, even the transaction, you don't remember. When you exchange the temple of God to be a kiosk, you don't even remember. I mean, you, you don't even know the spiritual implications. You, you are not a spiritual person. You live in the flesh. So everything, you, you decide by the flesh, you descend by the flesh, and, and as for you, only the five senses lead you. The word of God doesn't lead you. The, the spirit of God doesn't lead you. you. You never think about, what is God's opinion? This man I'm going to marry, what is God's opinion? This decision I'm taking, what is God's opinion? Bible says in all your ways, not some, not a few, not even majority, but in all, acknowledge him. And, and there are many believers, we don't even pray about our married choices, our future. Our, we just say, Lord, I want. She has hips 44 and bus 38. Lord, bless me, Jesus. And sometimes even... Even we labor in the Lord or we may be doing spiritual things, but we are really not spiritual or spiritually discerning. So when, when he comes and he says, who are you? He says, I'm Esau, 
thy firstborn. You have now become a secondborn. It has happened already in the realm of the spirit. But because you are spiritually asleep, asleep in a coma, you don't even remember what has transpired. So he says, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken the venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. His father was a spiritually deep and discerning person. So when Esau came and said, I'm Esau thy first. And Isaac had, the Bible says, Isaac trembled. Immediate response was, wow, something terrible has happened. You've lost something of great value. Your destiny has changed. Oh my, what is this? There's been an exchange. Isaac trembled immediately. But the person to whom the thing happened has not yet trembled. Amen. That's why when you take off your skirt so easily, you don't tremble because you don't have the consciousness that I am the temple of the living God. And as I'm carrying this temple to places that the temple should not go to, do you expect the Holy Ghost to scream when you are doing all your things? The Holy Ghost is trembling by you. Oh, you are laughing and very happy. You have not even felt the exchange that has happened in your life. Bible says, verse 34, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. The blessing had not been taken away, it had been given. Isaac didn't know that it had been given before even all this episode. So he said, your brother came with satellites and has taken away your blessing. But what it is is that you have sold it for peanuts. You have sold the word of God as if it doesn't matter. You see, sometimes that is why even our lives are the way they are. When the Bible says forgive, it's not a divine thing for you. It's an emotional thing. Say, forgive who? This man, he doesn't deserve forgiveness. But you, you deserve forgiveness before the cross, yeah? Now this man, he does not deserve forgiveness. When the Bible says, wives, submit unto your own husband. Say, me, I'm the champion type. I'm not the submissive type. Because you despise his word in marriage. And then when it doesn't work, you come for prayer meetings and we pour buckets of oil. But the thing is that the blessing has already been given. It's not that it's been taken. Hallelujah. We don't value the word of God. We do not value the word of God. We don't know the spiritual basis for what we do. And we don't bother to find out. It is a privilege to be able to come into the presence of God without appointment. Even me, when you are seeing me, often you need appointment because I may have gone somewhere. I may have gone to the orphanage or I'm somewhere waiting on God or I'm somewhere solving problems. I will not be there. So if the people don't know that you are coming. They can, or I may even be in a meeting. And when you come, I'm in a meeting. So you need an appointment. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you just budge into his office, his throne room at any time. And you come with your trivial issues. And he treats it as if it's very important. And you take that privilege for granted. 
Every day they are saying we should pray. Ah, this prayer, this God too. Really? If you had met Obama, you would tell me, hey, I met Obama. Hey, when I met him, I couldn't even believe it. And I couldn't talk. And then, but when you come into his presence, there's nothing to you. Obama is more important. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who can determine your destiny and cut your life short? He is the one you are dealing with. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So thy brother hath taken away thy birthright. <laughs> to the people around, you may look spiritual. To the people around, they will not know that a divine exchange has taken place. But between you and God, God knows that you have sold your birthrights. Amen. Amen. And Esau prayed and, verse 36, and he said, Esau said, is not he rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, has thou not reserved a blessing for me? He took away your birthright. You sold it. You sold it. And not only did you sell it, you said that of what use? Of what use is this birthright to me? Now when you finish, you are accusing somebody. And it's because of this girl that I've been removed from my position. It's because of these new people that you are... But what it is is, when you were put in that position, you didn't value your birthright. You didn't value anything spiritual. So when you are removed and we do it an exchange, it's not because a person has come to supplant you like a Jacob, but it's because you yourself have not valued the position that God has given you in his church and in his body. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hmm. And he says, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac said unto Esau, verse 37, Behold, I have made him thy Lord. <laughs> and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. <laughs> and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? <laughs> and Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. You had all the blessing. You gave it all away. Now even one is a problem. Sometimes you are a woman, you meet all the brothers in the church, they all want to marry you. They're not this one. You dismiss, you dismiss, you dismiss, then in the end, you ask that, Pastor, is there no one reserved? <laughs> is there not a reserved player somewhere for me? It's not because God didn't bless you. But when God brought things your way, you despised it. You see, I have a message. 25 reasons why some women don't marry or marry late. And one of the reasons is they are so finicky. When every brother comes, they dismiss him. This one is too short. This one is too tall. This one is too fair. This one is too dark. Lady pastor, this one is this. And you don't know that the flower of your age will pass. So when the flower of your age passes, then now you are asking us, don't you have just one reserved somewhere, Lord? Don't you have one just lacking some? You, you, you see people who have been married for 23 years, 24 years. Oh, I want a man just like this. Do you know how long it has taken for him to become what he has become? Amen. Amen. Don't you have just one reserved 
for me. And Isaac said, I've blessed him so much. What it is is that it's not that Isaac had some hidden blessing that he brought, but that was Esau's blessing. That his brothers will serve him. That he will be sustained. That the corn and oil will be his. was all part of inheritance. It was just coming to him, just like that. And then now, you are seeking it with tears. The verse we read in Hebrews 12 said, like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. And afterwards, he was seeking it with tears. But tears don't bring back anything. The body of Christ always feels sorry for their sins, but they never repent. We just show emotion. Oh, Lord, I can't believe it. Oh, God. Forgive me. He forgives you, but he's calling you for repentance. And when you have repented, John the Baptist said, bear fruits that befit repentance. Let us see the fruits that you have repented. But there's no such thing in the body of Christ. We live anyhow. We live as if God is an inconvenience, an excess baggage. But what it is is that God wants to deliver us from the destroyer. But we don't see it that way. So God, God is just... A God given a lot of rules. No. He just wants you to walk in the light instead of walking in darkness. So he says, look, if you walk in bitterness, the grace of God will fail in your life. Don't. Say, eh, people think they can take me for granted. I have to show them that. You show them that you will end up somewhere else and the grace of God will just fail from your life. Those of you who were not here yesterday, you don't understand what I'm saying. It's like, it's like Greek to you. <laughs> And so Isaac looks for some type of blessing. In verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. When people walk with God or decide to treasure the things of God or to treasure their relationship with God, and then they end up somewhere. Then you become bitter and say that, where were you when the church started? Where were you when, but what had happened is that when the church started, you were on fire. But when it got into the middle, you became so pompous and proud, you couldn't even go through the door. And whenever we called you to do something, you dreamt and thought that it was an inconvenience. And therefore, the Jacobs came and took your place, and now you hate them, but you gave the place to them. There's bitter envying, there's strife, and, and you don't own up. You know, in every quarrel, we don't easily own up to our faults. Humanly speaking, that's how we are. When we are looking at other people's faults, we wear magnifying glasses. But when we are looking at our own faults, we wear rose-colored glasses. So everything is rosy. Rosy, we are not seeing it properly. <laughs> that's how we are. And as I said yesterday, that is why when the prophet came to King David... He couldn't tell David, you took Bathsheba and you did this. And David would have argued, like all of us. We argue uh, to the next day. But he had to put it in a parable. And when it's a parable and it's somebody else, hey, our judgment is very great. You know? The person is not fit to live. Who did this in Israel? Not only is he not fit to live, what is that he has done? He has to give four times back. And Nathan said, you are the one. That's the only way that we will see that it's us, in parables. But if you tell us directly, we will never receive it. And we will never change. So instead of saying, oh my God, I sold my birthright. Oh my God, the blessing was linked to it. 
oh my God, I repent. And I want to come back to you. Because after all, Jacob was a deceiver. But he had a certain heart towards the things of God. Hallelujah. But instead of doing that, no. He hated Jacob. And he said that, my father is old. He will soon die. When he has died, I will kill Jacob. When we despise things of God and things of the supernatural and things of the spirit, what happens is that we add sin to sin. We, our, our, our sins become more because we add hatred, jealousy, strife, and even murder. And the reason is we never own up to anything. It's never us. As my husband says, when we did when we were doing prisons ministry, which we still do, every time he went to the prison, he asked everybody there. Everybody, nobody was guilty. Everybody said, I don't deserve to be here. Everybody. And even when you go to the women's prisons, it's, it's even more confusing because they look so sweet, so tender. And when you ask them what they did, they, they don't even know what they did. Some time ago, we had a daughter convention in the prisons. And uh, there was a guy in the church, he said that he would pay for all the daughter clothes for the prisoners. So we agreed, and he paid. But when we went to the prisons for the daughter convention, the prison officers said they would not allow the prisoners to wear the daughter clothes. So why didn't you say it before? And why? He said, because these people are so bad that when they wear the daughter clothes, they will mix with you who are wearing the daughter clothes. And then we will not see. And they will all file out. So only the choir was allowed to wear the daughter clothes. And it was a powerful daughter convention. But whenever you ask them, what did you do? Everybody says, I was treated badly. They, they, some, most of them don't even say the crime. And some of them, when you know, it's like, how come you are here for murder? I didn't do anything. Somebody just put it on me. Somebody just whatever. And, and, and we are the same. But with my experience of practicing law, I know that you can't judge people by their faces. Because even when you go to the law courts and you see the people so meek and mild, you, you cannot imagine. I mean, some of the, the horrible cases that I have been involved in where a girlfriend strangles somebody's husband. Because I said that since your wife came, your wife used to be in the UK, since she came, you don't mind me anymore and all that. So she hired henchmen. And the man was still, you know, seeing her on the side in a way and all that. And so once she was in the man's car and she had hired henchmen in Ghana. But when we get to the junction, stop me and then I will say that these are my friends. And then the henchman was called Red. He would sit behind the husband and strangle him and, and it happened, you know. And when the, the woman was called Grace and when she was brought, she looked so gentle so meek, so I understood why the men are easily deceived by our, our, our loving looks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say so that when my father is dead, I will murder Jacob. Why do you murder somebody for something you gave willingly and freely and under oath? Hmm. Hallelujah. So when Rebecca finds out, she organizes Jacob out. Chapter 28. Verse 
verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram and all that. Verse 5. And Isaac sent away Jacob. And he went to Padanaram to his uh, mother's brother, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau. Verse 6. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Badanaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had. Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabajoth, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran. Amen. When you have heard what your father has said to Jacob, Jacob had an obedient heart. He valued the word of the father. He valued the word of his parents. He said, don't take a wife from here. Leave. Go to Padanaram and go and find a wife. And when Esau heard it, rather, he did the opposite. He said, oh, my father says to me, dear Ishmael's daughters, those are the ones I want. So it's not that the birthright has been taken away from you, but your heart does not value anything spiritual. And even after the birthright and the blessing have been taken, because you, are, you never repent, you just add sin to sin. And you are going deeper and deeper and further and further away from anything spiritual. Hallelujah. That is what the lack of repentance does to us. We never change. We never change direction. There's no conviction of the Holy Ghost. There's no difference between us and the world. The Bible says we are the light of the world. Oh, we might as well be darkness or dawn. We, it's not clear. It's not clear what we are. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. There's no salt. There's more deception in the church of God than even in the world out there. As a pastor, sometimes I sit over cases that just break my heart. And I just wonder, what's going on? I was asked by a radio station in Ghana to open their bridal fair. And they gave me a little theme. It's why marriages are being destroyed. I should talk for a few minutes. Is it 10 minutes? So a circular radio station. So I went to the function. All the media houses were there, TV, whatever. Okay, to open the function today is Lady Reverend, Mrs. Seward Mill. So why do you think marriages are being destroyed? Whatever I said, because we are refusing to die. Refusing to die. I said, yes, we are refusing to take up our cross and follow him. When anybody suffers any inconvenience, they say, you know what, I'm checking out. It has become an airport. You check in and you check out. When anything is painful, you check out. When anything is hard, you check out. When anything is unpleasant, you check out. We have become like the world. If it doesn't feel good, throw it away. That's it. We just check out. We are refusing to die. But Jesus said, take up your cross daily. So if you are not ready to die, those of you who are not married yet, don't marry. Because you will crucify your flesh. Uh, uh, 
At a point, you say, hey, is this me? It is you. It is you. We have not made a mistake. It is you. And those of you, some of you ladies, you are very proud on your high horses. Say, me, I won't allow a man to whatever. Marriage will humble you. <laughs> Two years ago when I came, some of you, you were very pitchy, pitchy, pitchy. I met some of you. I said, you have become very sober. It's not easy. Hey. <laughs> Marriage shall humble thee, I tell you. When the father said, Jacob, don't do this, Esau said, that's exactly what I'll do. Do you treasure the word of a father? That shows how fleshly or spiritual you are. Do you treasure the word of your, your, your earthly father and your godly father? Does it mean anything to you? Your spiritual fathers, does it mean anything to you? Some of us, we can insult pastors. It amazes me. Your boss at work, you will not insult like that. But the pastor who is a representative of God on earth, you will insult him because you don't value spiritual things. You value carnal things. As for this boss, he can affect my promotion. He can affect my reference. But this pastor, what does he do for me? Because you are so fleshly, you cannot even discern things that are spiritual. Hallelujah. Where is our spark and our yearn for even evangelism? It's not there. Because we don't have any spiritual eye. We're not thinking about heaven or hell. We are thinking about earth here and how we can be happy here. But the Bible says in this tabernacle we groan. Because this tabernacle itself is a falling thing. It's clay and it's subject to so many limitations. But you in this tabernacle, you are not groaning. You are groaning but you are making it as if it's an eternal tabernacle. It is not. Hallelujah. And lastly, Esau did not have spiritual eyes to see. When Jacob was going away, he had a vision. He had a vision and the way he interpreted the things was not like the way Esau interpreted things. Verse 11, 28 verse 11. This is Jacob. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took off the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set upon the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. It's all part of the inheritance. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow and so on. Amen. The Bible says, when his father sent him away on the journey, 
He came to a place, it was late, and he was tired. He wanted to sleep, but the Bible says there were no pillows. So he took stones and made a pillow out of it. Some of us, in our journey with the work of God, if we get somewhere and there are no pillows, we'll say, I'm going back to where my parents are. I have never slept in a place where there are no pillows. That I have to make stones to make my pillow. What was my father thinking about that he sent me here? On the road of ministry, you'll get to a place where there'll be no pillows. You'll get to a place where there'll just be stones. What kind of spirit would we find? Would it be a grumbling spirit? A returning spirit? The Christians of today, we are not used to any suffering. But the Bible says, they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. When we are talking about the promises of God, you say, I receive it. But this is also part of the promise. That they, they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus, unless you are not living godly, you will suffer for it. If you haven't suffered for your faith, then you are not a Christian. If you haven't suffered for what you believe, then you are not a Christian. If you have not paid a price to obey the call of God on your life, then you are not a Christian. I have paid a price by the grace of God to be the bishop's wife. It is not always easy. And I say that my greatest thing that has been not easy to sacrifice has been to give up my husband to go all over the world. Sometimes I wish he would stay with me. It's not always, but sometimes there are certain moments that you miss your husband or you wish that, oh, I wish he didn't have this particular journey to do. But the call of God is also on his life. He's not just an ordinary man. So the ability to spiritually descend that call and the ability not to put to death that call and the ability even in your tears to say, go, go, go and be a blessing, go. It's not easy. Many times I go for conferences, people come to say, Lady Reverend, I so much want to be like you. That's fine. God will honor your desire, but a price has to be paid. And the price is not in catalogs. You see, when you see movie stars and they look so powerful, so do you know the number of lines they have to learn? Do you know the number of running and exercise they have to do to keep themselves in a certain place? It is the same with spiritual things. Nothing just falls like manna from heaven. There's nothing like that. So as he's blessed and he's taking the journey, the first part is that there are no pillows and there are stones. A blessed person. Some of you would have said, hmm, the prophecy was wrong. Hmm, my father blessed me and I've come to a place where there are no pillows and I have to make stones and it's a lonely place. There's not even one human being there. As you obey God's call, you come to lonely places. You come to places where there are no pillows. You come to places where there's no one to fellowship with. Would you still continue and still feel that you are blessed? And when he slept and he woke up, he had had a dream. Some of you would have said, the stones have made me have hallucinations. The stones have made me think wrongly. But he was a spiritual person from the beginning. So he interpreted the events of life in the scheme of the things that God would do. If you interpret the events of life with your flesh, you will fail. But if you interpret the things of life in the scheme of God's word, by the grace of God, you will survive. Amen. It's not always easy. But he said, wow, 
The Lord was in this place. And I didn't even know it. God was here. Because I saw a ladder. Many of us will not even remember the dream. Because we'll be so focused on what we don't have. We'll be so focused on the pillows that were not there. That the other spiritual things that God is trying to show you, you will miss out on it. Are you a fleshly Christian? How do you interpret things? Sometimes you went through a bad relationship. It didn't work. It is true it was wrong. It is true it was painful. But how do you interpret it? Do you interpret it according to Romans 8.28 that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. All things may not be good, but all things work together, work together, work together for our good. Hallelujah. How do you interpret the events of life? How do you interpret the misfortunes? How do you interpret sometimes you believe God for something and it doesn't come? Do you become bitter? Do you become bitter? Or you look at the Bible and you say the secret things belong to God. It's not everything that you will understand. It's not everything that you will have an answer for. So the, the, how dreadful is this place? I'm even afraid the Lord was here. And I knew it not. Oh, I'm not even spiritually as astute and sharp as I should be. I didn't even know God was here. If I knew, perhaps I wouldn't even have slept. The Lord was in this place and I knew it not. And then he immediately gathered the stones that were there. And he makes an altar. And he worships. When you sleep on stones, can you worship? When you sleep on stones, can you make an altar? So his name, when you sleep on stones, can you still see his promises coming to pass? Or you look with just your physical eyes, eh? there are stones here. There's no human being here. I've left the comfort of my home. My parents are not here. I have no food. I see only problems. I see only difficulties. Or will you say he's El Shaddai? The God who is more than enough. Even in stony places, I can see him. The God who sometimes does not answer or does not even speak. I can still see him. The Lord was here. I didn't know it. Can you see that? Can you see God in stony places? When he doesn't always answer. Elijah went. The Bible says the wind came. He was not in the wind. The fire came. He was not in the fire. Will you even stay? Or by the time the still small voice comes, you've checked out. Sometimes you're having a very bad marriage, but the Lord is in it. You may be in a storm, but the Lord is in it. And you may be like the disciples who say, carest not thou that we perish, but he's in it. He's only asleep in the boat, but it doesn't mean his presence is not there. His presence is there. He's there, and he knows that you will survive the storm. But it takes a spiritual eye. It takes a spiritual interpretation of things. If even you don't know scripture, how will you interpret the things? We never spend time in his presence. We never invest in anything spiritual every day. Clothes, skirts, wig, never the word of God. And even when you buy it, you don't even listen. And you don't listen to the point where you are changed. No, it's of no value. The Lord was in this place. 
The Lord is in your church, but you don't see it. You are hopping from place to place because you are seeking for, for signs, for something that does not really make you grow. That's what you are seeking for. So the Lord is in this place, but you, you don't see it. How do you interpret the issues of your life? Lady Reverend, I made a mistake. Lady Reverend, I've regretted it. Lady Reverend, it's finished. It's finished. It looks like it's finished. But if you will remember his word, that I'll give you beauty for ashes. You will bring the ashes so that he can give you beauty. How do you interpret the events of your life? The Lord was in this place. And I knew it not. And in conclusion, when Jacob had gone to be with his uncle and all those things had happened and he... He met a company of angels again. You see, he was somebody whose eyes were open spiritually. Not only did he have visions, but he interpreted the events of his life in the light of God and what God was doing. And God hadn't finished with him. An angel came and wrestled with him. Wrestled with him the whole night. And the Bible says that Jacob said, I will never leave you until you bless me. He was never satisfied with his spiritual state. He always wanted more. Some of you would have said, since Isaac blessed me, I'm blessed. Since I had that vision at Bethel, I'm blessed. It's okay. I don't need anything else. But he said to the angel, bless me. And I won't leave you until you bless me. He wanted to go deeper. He wanted to have more of God. We don't have any such desire. All your prayer topics have no spiritual asking. You don't have any spiritual demands. Everything in your prayer topic is carnal. If you want to know how carnal you are, look into your handbag and your wardrobe. And by your bedside, you'll see that you don't have anything spiritual. Even your Bible is just there. It has collected dust. But the angel wrestled with him. And when he wrestled with him, he changed his name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means a prince with God. He knew that God had more work to do on him. Nobody is a finished product. We are all works in progress. Nobody is a finished product. As for you, God has finished with you. There's more of God that you don't know. And I think that the older you get in God, the humbler you become and the less you see of yourself if you are really spiritual. But when you are young, you feel that you can do a lot of things. And you don't even know that you have a lot of presumption. But as you grow older, you become more sober. It's, hey, Everything is by grace. His name was changed to Israel because he knew that there was more in God that he wanted. He said, bless me. And the first blessing was that his identity was changed. Because although he had been blessed, he had interpreted visions, the deception and the spirit of deception had not fully been dealt with. And it was when he wrestled with God that that name Jacob fell and Israel was restored. And remember... Esau also, his name was changed. He was called Esau. And then when he bought the porridge, he became Edom, which means red porridge. So as this one is going more into the things of God, you are going more into the carnal things. May the Lord deliver us. And this morning, I came to talk to you that you will become a spiritual person. That you will discern things spiritually. That you interpret the events in your life in the light of God's word. That you will value your birthright. Value your virginity, the little that is left. 
Value your secondary virginity, the little that is left. And don't let the world dictate to you and tell you what is precious. But value what is precious to God. And never get to the place where you think that you are spiritually okay. But continue to hunger and to thirst for more so that the Lord will fill you. Stand to your feet, please. Father of light, draw me closer. Oh, Lord, my heart is set on you. Let me run the race of time with your life unfolding mine and let the peace of God let it rest. Close your eyes and let God minister to you and speak to God about what you have heard. You yourself know how fleshly you are. You know that you need to go deeper in your spiritual walk with God.
Lift up your hand wherever you are standing. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to start all over with God. I want to know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I'm not sure. I want to be sure. Lady Reverend, pray for me. If you're here like that this morning, forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. Just lift up your hands high above your shoulder and I'll pray with you. Lady Reverend, pray with me. If you're here like that, just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. You've lifted up your hands. Lord, I pray that you will touch those who have lifted up their hands. Do one more thing for me. Just come forward and give me the privilege of leading you into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You lifted up your hands. Please come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. You lifted up your hands. Just come. Come and stand here. I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. I want to stand with you in this life-changing event. I want you to give your life to Jesus without surrender. And yield, you yield everything. Please close your eyes and say this prayer after me. Let it be your own personal prayer from your heart to God and mean it with all your heart. Please say after me, Lord Jesus, this morning I come to you just as I am. Please forgive me for all my sins. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins and thank you that I have eternal life now because Jesus rose from the dead Father I have gone my own way but today I give my life to you come into my life and be the Lord and be the master of my life Satan I don't have any links with you. I break every link with you. Christ has set me free. And I'm free indeed. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that today I'm born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy birthday to you. It's the most important day in your life. When Christ comes to live in your life so this is your church come here be nurtured and grow in the things of God God bless you thank you for giving me the privilege of leading you to Christ please follow our pastor and obediently listen to all that he has said and obey for the first time today amen God bless you please take your seats I just want to pray with you please close your eyes Lord Forgive us for all our foolish ways. Forgive us for valuing things of the flesh more than things of the spirit. From today, Lord, I pray that there will be a change in our hearts. Give us a desire for things that are spiritual. Deliver us from the deceptions of this life and of Satan. Give us a love that we may not have now for things that relate to you. Open our eyes that we may see. And draw us deeper. Help us to know you more. To love you more. And to be more devoted to you. Deliver us, O oh God, from selling our birthright. Deliver us, O oh God, from selling our blessing. But may we value your presence in our lives. 
And may our walk with you be deeper and deeper. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you. Please welcome Reverend.